Come on, man. Let's give it up for our college students. Man, we're super excited for our conference coming up and excited for what God's going to do through that. We believe in the next generation here. And so I know that it feels like college wasn't that long ago, right? Like, I mean, I was just in college, it seems, but I wasn't. It was forever ago, but there's a lot that happens on the college campus, and we just believe in college students. Some of my my best friends, Chase and Alyssa, both got saved on the college campus. I remember when Alyssa got baptized and being there for her baptism when I was a campus minister, and we're just believing that God is going to change lives this week. And this is your last Sunday to sign up for college conference. So we want you to sign up. Maybe, maybe you've been believing for your friend's kid, your friend's student. Maybe it's a neighbor. If there's somebody that you want to come, maybe they're not plugged into our campus ministry. We have a few spots left. And so we would love, we would love for you to sign them up. Will and Jaron, our campus ministers, will be in the foyer at the resource table. So you can talk to them. We'd love for you to talk to them and sign them up this morning. Well, I'm excited for over the next few weeks, we're starting a series called Experience Jesus. Everybody say, Experience Jesus. There you go. Come on. We want to experience Jesus. Uh, I'm going to be preaching today and next week. And then uh, one of our board members, Pastor Daniel Stevens, will be here on December 3rd preaching and will also be unfolding how our building campaign went and where we are on that. And so we're excited about that, excited about what God is doing this morning. I want us to be attentive this morning. Obviously, I do every morning. It's not unique to today, but I, I believe that if we lean in, I believe that God will meet you in, in your leaning, in your posturing, and moving forward. I just believe that. And, you know, Jesus would say 14 times through the gospel, all the way through Revelation, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear meaning that we need to posture ourselves to receive what Jesus would have for us in order to experience him, that we must open our ears and not just our physical ears, but also our heart ears. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 5 says this, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. That it is up to us to move into a place of posturing our heart to receive. And this morning, as Jesus is talking, we're going to read in John chapter 15 in just a moment. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and as he's talking to them, these are the people who opened their heart to Jesus. Opened their heart to listen to him, to experience him. They walked with him for three years for an experiential discipleship moment. And I will, I will argue this that that same experiential discipleship moment can also be had for us in this place, that it can be had for you. And this is what we're praying for and believing for. Would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning in John chapter 15? I know that you're already comfortable, but if you're new, you're like, why am I standing? If you've been around a while, this is what we started doing. This is part of our liturgy. And so John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruits. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. 
Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, we just love you. Jesus, I thank you for these words that you spoke. I pray, Jesus, that you would open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open us up, Lord Jesus, to receive your word. We want to experience you. So Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Illuminate it to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Give your neighbor a high five and then have a seat. Well, we're glad you made it to church this morning and the mist and everything else definitely, definitely could have been a challenge. Uh, You know, it's, it's interesting. We live in a culture of misinformation. How many of you know that's true? Like misinformation's everywhere. It's hard to know what to trust. It's hard to know what to believe. It's amazing how you can um, all of a sudden get something on social media that spreads and it was an image and you thought that that was reality, but it was actually AI generated. And you later come to find out that was not reality at all. Today, I want to, I want to say that the word that we read, this truth that we read, these words of Jesus are very much true. That it has not only been founded and, and studied for thousands of years, but every time that there's an archaeological dig and they discover new scrolls or they discover new information, it just brings more validity to the truth that we just read. Amen? I'm so grateful. I want to let you know that the Bible is a trustworthy book. It's trustworthy, and you can read it, and it can penetrate, and it can move. And this is important because as we're leaning in, we're not leaning into misinformation, but we're leaning into truth. And what Jesus is describing to us is truth that we all desperately need, all of us. And I know that some of us may be, well, you know, I like to just look at the Bible subjectively. I want to encourage you that we are, we in this church look at the Bible objectively and we see it as truth, revealing and making known God and his character, Jesus, the person as God incarnate walking on earth and what he said, we believe has merit in our lives. As we read John chapter 15, verse five in particular, we're going to read about the one who abides. And what are the three characteristics of abiding, abiding in Jesus? There are three things, there are three characteristics that we all have when it comes to abiding in Jesus. A person who is abiding in Jesus is Christ-centered, meaning that Jesus is the center of their life. That not, not, not football, not the extracurriculars, not the job, not the wife, not the husband, not the kids. Nothing else takes center other than Jesus. And then through Jesus as the center, everything else is, is touched and everything else is loved through him as the center. An abiding life is a life that is centered on Jesus. Amen. A person who is abiding also has a kingdom calling. 
a kingdom calling. If you're abiding in Jesus, means that you are a part of his kingdom, meaning that, meaning that he has rule or he's the boss or he's the master. He's the one in charge. He is the C-suite, right? He's the one that we look to. And that kingdom calling comes out of that and it affects our purpose on this earth and the way that we live and interact with one another. An abiding person has a kingdom calling. And then thirdly, a person who is abiding leaves footprints for others to follow. They're going to leave footprints behind. They're going to live in such a way that other people can follow them and get to the destination or to Jesus. You would live in such a way that that it's not abstract or ambiguity or I don't need to try a thousand religions to find out which one works for me. But Jesus has already made truth known and he's given the way. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And those who come to me, right, are my disciples. And you begin to walk in a way that others could begin to follow. Now, I, I know that this is sometimes a little confusing because if we to err on a certain side of the coin, we can leave it up to uh, ambiguity on how to know Jesus. But true disciples walk in a way that others could meet Jesus as well. My question for you is, are you walking in a way that would lead others to Christ? Are you walking in a way that would lead others to Jesus? So this is what we know, and we're going to look at what it means to abide. Henry Blackaby says this, Scripture is not a concept. Scripture is a person. When you stand before the Word of God, you are not merely encountering a concept. You are standing face to face with God. As you look at the word of God, you look at a scripture, you see that God is personal and we can experience him like the disciples experienced Jesus. And that's what my hope for us in this series is that we would experience Jesus in that same way. I was talking to a friend yesterday and he has um, not quite made a decision to follow Christ. I'm praying and believing that he will. And he was asking me, what does it look like? He said, he described it this way. I, I have this understanding of God. I, I pray, I just don't feel it internally. Like, it's just not in here. It's like, uh, what's that scripture, you know, where it talks about the guys who, it's like on the outside, they're clean, but on the inside, they're empty. I feel like that. And I told him, you know, it's interesting because a relationship with Jesus isn't just head knowledge, but there's a communication that takes place in order to know God. How many of you know, like, your wife, if you never talk to your wife, would you really know your wife? If you never talk to your husband, if you never gave ears to your children, if you never gave ears to your friends, you never had a conversation what would the relationship be other than proximity? Then two people just coexisting next to each other. But a relationship has communication at a center. Now, a lot of people think that God speaks to man or, or, or that man speaks to God, but God doesn't speak back. But I want to tell you that, that communication with Jesus and when you experience him, there's communication that, that is up towards God in prayer but there's also down from God in listening. 
There's also, it's not just, it's not just vertical, but there's horizontal. There's this moment of talking to others about God and them talking to you about God. And through this vertical and horizontal moments of communication, we find ourselves experiencing Jesus, having a relationship with him, understanding him. But how many of you know it's also one of those things like, man, people who hear from God are sometimes crazy. Am I the only one? Like, I mean, there's some crazy people that they said, God told me to do this. X, Y, and Z. God told me to do something crazy, and you look at them wide-eyed, jaw-dropped, and go, God did not tell you that. That was not God. So the question is, is how do we keep, when we're experiencing Jesus and we're having communication, how do we move into a place to not be crazy? Does anybody want to know that? Like, how do we keep from crazy? The, the, the key to this is this, is that John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus likens the relationship from a shepherd to a sheep. And in this moment, how many of you know that sheep are not very smart and sheep roaming in an open field sometimes do crazy things like jump off cliffs, get stuck in ditches. They'll drown. They'll do all these things. Sheep just open, out in the open with no guidance, no parameters will sometimes do crazy things. And I think that's us as well. Without parameters, following Jesus, holding to some religion, you will end up doing some crazy, ridiculous things. So how do we keep guided? How do we keep grounded? The first thing that we have to do is we have to start moving in a place from a field to a pasture, from from this field to a place that has parameters. The first post that we would put that, that my friend Kirk would talk about is the first post would be the spirit of God. That would be the spirit of God. Well, we need the spirit of God. We need to lean in. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit? Thankful that he speaks. Thankful that he guides. Thank you that he inspired scripture. Thank you that he empowers. We need the spirit of God. But then we move the fence over and we put another post in the ground, which would be the word of God. So we need the spirit of God, but we also need the word of God. We need the Bible. And you would have this fence that we so desperately need. And I want to tell you that this fence keeps you in this tension because if you go all the way over here, you become crazy. And if you go all the way over here, don't believe that the Holy Spirit is moving and speaking, you become religious. But the other post that we need is the one right back here. In order to enclose this fence, enclose this parameter, we need to make a triangular moment. And the other post that we would put in place is the people of God. We need, we need the spirit of God, the word of God, and the people of God so that we can be in the safest place possible. A place that is protected and a place where we find refuge and a place that we can experience Jesus holy. We need the spirit of God because it instructs us, it moves us. It was given to the body of Christ. We need the word of God because 
How many know that the spirit of God without the word of God, it needs to be in check and those two need to be in alignment. If you hear something that is not written in scripture, or let me say this, that contradicts scripture, it's not God. It's not God. It's crazy. In fact, it's crazy. It, you, you have this idea. The, the, the spirit told me, right, to go blow up something. Right, how many of you know we know that? The, the spirit, God told me to do this in the name of God. But does that line up with this? We need both. We need this relationship. And this is what God wants for us. This is where he has us, that we need to move in this place of understanding the truth of God and the spirit of God. If you want to experience Jesus, we must have all of this framework. And in this circle, we find safety, we find refuge, and we find that we can hear Jesus through not just the spirit, but it's lining up the word, but we also have the people of God. Aren't you grateful for the family of God? I'm grateful for the family of God. Because there's sometimes when I hear something and then I proof text some scripture that lines up with my hearing, but it may still be crazy. It may still be out of the box, out of where God would want us. And so we need the people of God to come around us and to enclose us in this parameter. We need this. And in this place, in this safety net, we find that God begins to speak and he begins to minister and it keeps us going in the straight way. But how many know that even in the safest place, life begins to happen to you? How many find this to be true? Like there's still things that happen in the parameter of this space, in this area, there's still life still can hit you. Life can hit you in different ways. You, you all of a sudden lose a job and life hits you. You all of a sudden experience pain and you all of a sudden maybe get a cancer diagnosis within this parameter and it begins to hit you in such a way. I, I was thinking about this this morning and, and the reality is this is, man, I remember because uh, <laughs> it was only a couple hours ago, I remember that God, God was moving already in my life. And when you're in that circle, you find yourself in a safety net. You find yourself in a place of peace. And in God's presence, there is no sin. He wants to keep you on this place of fruitfulness. John 15 would say this, like you would bear fruit. How many of you know that you want to be grafted in? You want to be in this place where you're bearing fruit. But how many of you know there's a place when you're bearing fruit, but then there's some pruning that happens? Has anybody been pruned before? Have you been pruned and you're like, whoa, what was that? And sometimes you think it's the devil, but sometimes it's actually the Lord. And the Lord would maybe prune you because he wants something more from you. Anytime that you go through trial, Jesus would say, in this world, there will be trouble. There will be tribulation. In this world, you will lose jobs. In this world, you will get sick. In this world, you will have setbacks. But don't worry, I have overcome the world. I've overcome this situation. And all those situations, it's just some shears to prune you. 
to move in that place. I was on my way to church this morning and man, it was an awesome morning. I woke up early like I normally do and I was reading the word and I was worshiping and I was just so excited to come preach God's word this morning and I was pulling the trailer. I pulled the church trailer with all of our equipment and I was pulling it out and, and I got down the road a, a couple of blocks and all of a sudden I, the, the, the tire pops and there's sparks flying and this guy named Bob, I later find out is Bob walking his dog is looking at me fearing for his life because sparks and this huge truck is coming right at him and thankfully he moves out of the way and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh no, how are we going to have church when the trailer just lost a tire. All of our sound equipment, light equipment, video projector, all that stuff. I get out of that moment and I'm looking at this tire and I'm like, man, what am I going to do? So I begin to get out and I, I, I talk to Bob. He waits for me and we have this conversation. And when he's like, man, do you need help? I was like, I think I need help. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. And it's this moment where there was a setback in my life. There was this moment where life was good. It was going great. I was so excited to get to church to meet the team and all these moments. And there was this setback. And anytime there's a moment in your life, anytime there's a setback, you have this temptation. Are you going to bless God or are you going to curse God? You have this temptation. Am I going to bless this situation or am I going to curse this situation? This other moment where you, you, am I going to bless this or am I going to curse myself? Ben, why did you do that? Why didn't you check the tire? Why didn't this happen? And all this temptation, all these thoughts begin to take place. Have you been there before? Well, you had a setback and all of a sudden that was temptation to curse the situation, to curse even God and saying, why? God, all these people are waiting for you. But I sat there. And it was this moment and I was like, you know, God, you're going to be glorified. You're going to be magnified. You're going to be lifted up. Jesus, we're going to have church. The church has been existing for thousands of years without a sound system, without a light system. The church has been existing. We'll just forget the sound system, forget the lights. We'll just turn on the fluorescence and actually see each other face to face. We'll move in this place. And I was sitting there and I was so tempted to curse this situation. But instead, I started blessing. I started moving and I unhooked the trailer and I run home and I get the jack and I get the spare tire and I'm jacking it up and I'm undoing it and I'm putting on the tire not trying to die from the cars coming through and all this stuff and, and I was able to get the tire on and rehook it up and I, and I call the team and, and to be honest, I was a little deflated. You've been in a situation where you've been deflated? Been in a situation where it just, it just hits you? And I was like, man, it just seems like the enemy is attacking. It seems like there's so much coming against. But I remember, God, I'm your sheep, and you're the good shepherd. And I'm in the safety of your spirit and your word. And then I call Pastor Austin, and I just, I call him, and all I want to do, I have this temptation to vent. This temptation to be like, man, sermon's going to be bad today, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. And then before I got that out, Austin begins to talk to me. He goes, man, we've already set up this, this, and that. 
the nursery setup, the elementary setup. We got out the TVs, all that stuff. In fact, we just all gathered together, and we, we ended up praying. And we gathered together, and we prayed for 10 minutes just believing for you. And I was in that moment overcome with emotion, overcome with tears because, because there was this, this idea that, that I'm in God's grace. And sometimes in your worst situation, you just need the people of God to come in and pray for you and lift you up and say, we got you. And in that moment, I felt the prayer of our church. And it overwhelmed me. And instead of cursing, I was blessing. And I realized this was a pruning moment, a moment where I was being tested with patience, being tested with gentleness, being tested with kindness, being tested in all these situations. Have you been tested before? We've all been tested. We've all moved in this moment, but I knew I needed the Lord. And it was when Austin and the church and the people of God started praying. I just felt my spirit being lifted in an amazing way. Now, uh, the reality is this, is that is just a small situation, right? It's just a tire. It's not this huge trial, this huge moment. I know there are people in this room who showed up today, and there's been a lot of life that's hit you more than a tire blowing out. It's been a lot of life that's hit you, and it's been, it's been a challenging situation. There's been moments, right, where you got the cancer diagnosis. And I remember there's people in this church that text me, my friend just got diagnosed with cancer, and they're 26 years old. That is hard. That is a struggle. That is a situation where say, why God? But I'm telling you, when you have the spirit of God and you have the word of God and you have the people of God, you gather in the unity of the body and say, we're going to pray. We're going to press in. We're going to believe. And I'm not going to curse, but I'm going to bless. And I'm going to believe. And I'm not going to disbelieve and disown that. I'm going to lean into Jesus. Are we going to lean into Jesus, church? I'm praying for my friend who we had a conversation with yesterday. He doesn't know Jesus. If he were to die today, I don't know if he would spend eternity with God. And he's wrestling, and he's in this situation, and he's trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And my big prayer is this, is, Jesus, I pray that he would come to know you, that he would come to love you, and that he would profess you as king and trust you. Any relationship is forged or hinged upon this moment of trust. Our relationship with God is because he is trustworthy. Our relationship with Jesus is because he's proven himself trustworthy time and time again. When Jesus made a promise and he said, I'm going to come and the Messiah was going to be with us and he was going to live this life, he was trustworthy all the way up to death on a cross. And he died that death and he was buried. But on the third day, what happened? He rose from the grave. He's trustworthy. 500 witnesses are documented in seeing Jesus' resurrection. 500 people testify. He's trustworthy. Church, I want to tell you that Jesus is trustworthy to fulfill his promises. Amen? He's trustworthy. He is trustworthy in every situation. I know life may be hard for you. You may be finding yourself getting hit in a hard way 
in a situation that is tough. But I want to let you know, there is safety in the perimeter. There is safety with Jesus. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. I want to do something this morning. And simply this, I want us to have a conversation with Jesus. Some communication with Jesus. Beginning to talk to him and love him and just trust him that he's going to come through. And it's this, is you, you are all going through something. The fact is, is you've been fruitful. God has produced something in you. But there is a truth is that God wants to produce more. That he, he loves what you're doing. He loves the fruit in your life. He loves what's coming out of your life. But he wants more. And it's not because he needs more, but he just sees you as doing more than you're doing now. He sees you as being more than you see yourself right now. He sees you in a situation where, where he knows that you're going to get through it, and he may have the shears out. It may be pruning. And I want you to just have this conversation with Jesus. I want you to just ask Jesus, Jesus, what, what do you want me to know right now? So we're listening to Jesus. I just want us to pause and, Jesus, is there anything you want me to know about my situation? Is there anything you want me to know right now? And just ask him, church, what is he saying? I say, Robert, I want you to know I love you. Julia, I'm going to see you through. He may speak and let you know that I understand pain. I understand your situation. Jesus, what, what do you want me to know? And as you listen, maybe you're hearing a word. Maybe it's an image. Maybe it's an identity thing. Maybe there's a scripture popping up, the word testifying with the spirit, and it's coming to you. And then I want us to pray this prayer, a prayer of response, saying, Jesus, I will fill in the blank. Jesus, I will obey you. Jesus, I will love you. Jesus, I'll keep going. Jesus, I will repent of that. Jesus, I will lay that on the altar today. Jesus, I'm giving you this. I'm releasing it. I'm releasing this bitterness, this unforgiveness. I'm releasing it. I want you to just respond in that way. What does he want you to know? What does he want you to do? Father, we love you this morning, God, and I just thank you for your church. I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for being amazing. And God, I thank you for all that you're doing. I pray, God, that you would just be glorified. Jesus, thank you for letting us experience you. Thank you, God, when life comes that we're not going to curse you. We're not going to curse our situation, but we're going to move in a way God, where all of our venting is, is, is just given to you, released to you, God, where we want to 
be angry. God, where we want to be harsh, fill us with gentleness. God, where we lack patience, fill us, Holy Spirit, with patience. God, when we just want to lose it sometimes, Lord, help us have a moment of saying, you hold all things together. Lord Jesus, when we want to give up on life, God, you say you are never forsaken. When we feel hopeless and abandoned in our situation, we're reminded that we're surrounded by the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the people of God. That, Lord Jesus, we're not in this alone. I just feel like maybe somebody feels alone this morning. You feel isolated. You feel alone. You feel like no one empathizes with you. No one sees you. No one knows your circumstance or your situation. Now, I just want to let you know right now, if you experience Jesus and you just hear him and you listen to him, his word says, I did not leave you as an orphan. You are not walking through your situation by yourself. I've come to walk with you. Jesus would remind us that he must go so that the Holy Spirit could come, the friend, the comforter, the one who will guide, direct, strengthen, bring hope. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Come on, let's give God a hand for that. God, we love you. We praise you. We're going to receive communion this morning. And as we do, I want to remind us. Isn't it so great that Jesus gave us some tangible things to hold on to some abstractness. He brought abstractness into tangibility. He, he brought it into this place knowing our very nature, and he knew, he knew and he knows that oftentimes we need to be reminded. We need to remember who he is, what he's done, and why we live. Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, it was Passover. And God set it up so perfectly, didn't he? On the Passover, the shadow in the Old Testament, the lamb was slain and the blood was put on the posts. And the spirit of death passed that house. And they were remembering that day on the Passover how God spared humanity. How he spared the people of Israel. And Jesus said that was a shadow for this moment that was coming. Because I wasn't just going to spare man for one time in one place. But I was going to spare people for all time in all places in all spaces, for anyone who receives of him will have eternal life. We come to the table today, faith in Jesus, knowing that his body was broken and his blood was shed for us.
Let's pray for these elements. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. God, thank you for giving your body. Jesus, thank you for being obedient to death on a cross. Thank you for your body. We remember you. Bless this bread this morning. And Father, for your cup, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. God, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Jesus, you have the power to forgive sins. We come to the table to remember you. Bless this cup in Jesus' name. Amen.